crossing an amazing field it's a field that I take a photograph of basically every time every time I do this walk I may collate all the, all the photos to get some sort of time lapse at some point but couple of skylarks doing their thing. Hopefully you can hear. And it's an amazing day once again. Today there is hardly any cloud in the sky at all, just a tiny wisp ahead of me. Feeling that's the remnant of a vapor trail from a from a plane. Otherwise, it would be completely, completely clear. I'm almost across the field now, and I'll be going over a stile into woodland. I'll see what you think. Wonderful. Just walking through, uh, on the left hand side is a narrow piece of woodland, a bit of coppice, and the other side of that is the field continuing on, and on my left is a uh, Scots pine plantation. quite early or relatively early this morning because I think it's going to get very warm um, 24 or 25 degrees so I'm uh, doing this when it's still cool something did Something did come up for me to talk about, uh, and uh, yet again it's a line from Dogen's Rules for Meditation, and the line is, 
Do not strive thus to become Buddha. Which, I suppose early on when I came across that, I, I probably just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Particularly as I felt that the whole point of meditation was to become Buddha and that Dogen was well known for encouraging his student monks to train very hard even as though their their hair was on fire in one of the one of the uh, bits of advice isn't it beautiful thank you just passing another walker as I walk uphill under a complete canopy of of trees I'm just in dappled light here it's beautiful so I think looking back I was very much uh, ready to hear the bit about striving for enlightenment and training hard and Looking back, I'm very aware that that's because it chimed very much with my habitual approach to things, which is to basically jump in very hard <laughs> and and really go for it. And uh, I think it's an interesting point in general, actually, how when reading scriptures, particularly ones as subtle and kaleidoscopic as also meditation, how easy it is, especially in the early days, but maybe maybe always, to to emphasize certain certain pieces and uh, ignore or downplay others, depending on our preferences. And I think that's... Uh, it's really interesting, and I think it, it's actually quite a good way to work out, to see, uh, to see better what's going on, in fact. You know, which, which, bit of a, which bit of a reading or a recitation am I skimming over? And which bit which bits am I really committed to and think are really good? And actually to have a more open-handed, maybe open-eyed attitude to the the whole scripture is probably a better position to take. And what comes to mind is the thing I mentioned about not setting up your own standards in a previous talk. Because uh, Although it's very natural and human to do this, we are, in a sense, setting up our own standards. We're 
knowingly or otherwise, deciding what's true and important and less true and less important. And in fact, those words are, are echoed in a, another scripture. I think it's the, um, the precept scripture where it actually says nothing true, nothing less true. And that openness and equanimity in terms of letting what needs to come in, what's there to come in, allowing that to come in, I think that's, that's important. And I was thinking about setting up or not setting up your own standards with regard to beat zen which I don't know a great deal about. I've never actually read any of the, uh, any Jack Kerouac or anything like that, but I was thinking about what I might talk about today. I, I did think that Beat Zen, as it was called, is possibly, again, I'm, I'm no expert on Beat Zen, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that at least some of it was uh, people telling Zen what they wanted Zen to be. They seem to be very keen on the setting up or not setting up your own standards in terms of being able to ignore societal norms. But maybe it's important to recognise that actually going against norms in a kind of reflexive way, contrarian way, is another way of setting up your own standards. Anyway, to come back to not striving to become Buddha. Once again, it's a... In some ways, it's a very simple, straightforward piece of teaching in that it's part of the rules of meditation and... It's explaining that a relaxed attitude, one which isn't grasping for anything beyond just sitting with no deliberate thought, is what meditation is about. once again it's a piece of teaching which doesn't finish when you leave the meditation bench and as I've continued with my practice over the years it's become clearer and clearer that it's important to do exactly what's, in a sense, required. Keizan in the Denkoroku, which is a, a wonderful collection of writings, 
giving the essentially the biographies of the, the masters their lives and their teachings and how the teaching was passed on to them down through the generations down to I think to Dogen and just beyond um, so that's kind of 500 BC down to I think 1200 1200 and something And in there, there's a wonderful, I think it's, um, I think it's quite early on, I think it might be the second, in the second chapter, he describes, he describes a trainee as a dutiful being, that, you know, we should, we should try to be, or we should aspire to be a dutiful being. And that's a phrase I really love. that we ourselves constantly are finding out through inquiry through awareness what the duty of this moment is and I think this leads to a sense of awakeness, we have to be awake to the moment, to the needs of the moment, as I've mentioned, I think, in other talks. But I also think it's interesting because being a dutiful being doesn't mean becoming a different kind of being, like becoming a Buddha, even becoming a Bodhisattva, which is a being who puts off enlightenment in order to help all beings first puts off their own enlightenment I should say actually it's about being what we are where we are and looking honestly and simply really what is our duty, if you like, for this moment? And this isn't a, and doesn't need to be a striving, nor do we need to become any particular thing. And yet we must be willing, I think, to become any particular thing in so far as we become a teacher or we become a cleaner or we become a nurse or we become any one of the millions of things that we can and do become every day and I think maybe to strive for Buddhahood is to actually overlook what we already are and what we already have
So let's not strive for Buddhahood. And let's look deeply at today, at this moment, and every moment. And, and let's be happily, happily dutiful beings. Let's be very human beings. I guess I've finished by saying that one of the things I've I came to recognise again over the years and still have to remind myself many times <coughs> excuse me <coughs> is that it's amazing how simple the practice becomes when you just do what you need to do when you just you know follow if you're meditating well, follow the rules of meditation that's all that's being asked it's not easy but it is right there and dealing with how we depart from just thinking with no deliberate thought and all of the other aspects of meditation is precisely what meditation is and is for Once again, I suppose it's a theme of mine that maybe I'm a bit attached to simplicity, but it does seem that if we let them, things can become much simpler than we often allow them to be. And not striving to become Buddha or any, in a sense, unreal thing, any ungrounded thing based on clinging, vanity, unreality does mean that we can lay down a huge burden and yet still be absolutely ready and willing to be a dutiful being so I think I will I'll leave it there before I hit the big the big steep part of the walk Uh, I wish you a very good day and stay well.